Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, uh, no matter where you are in the world, and um, welcome to The Intuitive Customer. So, Ryan, what are we talking about today? So today's topic is on the peak end rule. Think about an experience that you've had, maybe a vacation that you went on, maybe a movie that you saw. That experience was made up of all these individual moments in time. You were feeling something, you are evaluating that experience throughout, and then the experience came to an end. So you came home from your vacation or you were done with the movie, and somebody asked you to evaluate that experience. So. How was your vacation? Or how'd you like the movie? You then were able to take that experience, all those individual moments in time, and come up with a single evaluation of the thing. You know, your vacation was was good. I enjoyed it. Or the, the movie was great. So the question is, and this is a question that psychologists are interested in, how did you do that? How did you come up with a single overall evaluation based on this continuous flow of evaluations over time? Now, you might think that maybe you just, you just averaged your all those little individual points in time. Um, that would be intuitive, but it would also be wrong. So in this case, that's not how, how it happens. Uh, it turns out that overwhelmingly, people's evaluations of an experience, what psychologists call a retrospective evaluation, so looking back on the experience, that evaluation is primarily determined by just two points in time. The peak, so the most intense emotion that you felt, and the end. How are you feeling at the end? If you just average those two points, so those two evaluations, then that accounts for most of the variance in terms of how we evaluate the, uh, the experience as a whole. People are remarkably insensitive to duration, to like the length of the experience. Um, what happens in between, the number of times that it goes up and down, all that stuff seems to wash out. What really matters is the peak and the end, and so that's why they ended up calling it the peak end rule, because those are the two points that matter most of all. Great. So I know that you've introduced this idea to clients before. How do you usually walk them through it? Yeah, I I, I think that for me this is um, really fundamental, and I have to say this is probably one of the biggest things I've learned in the last 10 years, um, mm-hmm. because the issue for me becomes if you think about customer loyalty, Loyalty, as we talk about in the book, is uh, is a function of memory. Mm-hmm. So the really interesting thing for me is when you think about customer loyalty, what you're really talking about is customers' memories. And one of the things that this is um, peak end rule is uh, Daniel Kahneman and and who's the other chap? Uh, one of the papers that introduced it was uh, a guy named Redelmeyer, who's actually an, an MD, okay, uh, a medical doctor. Um, so what, when you when you start thinking about this whole part of the peak end rule, what you're really therefore talking about is how you're building customer memories. So loyalty is a function of memory. Right. So the example I always use to, to answer your question, how do you how do I position with clients is if you think of a goldfish, a goldfish swims around a, a, a goldfish bowl, and they reckon it's got a sort of a, a three second. Um, um, can remember something for three seconds. So by the time it swam around, it goes, oh, this is new again, and it goes up happily. 
Um, but one of the things that Kahneman talked about, which I think is a really good phrase, is that we don't choose between experiences. We choose between the memory of an experience. And that, for me, is a bit of a nuance. But for me, it's it's actually like the the Grand Canyon of a nuance. Yeah. Um, because it's what you're really saying there is that, um, it, that it's that it, it's not the experience you need to worry about. It's the memory of how that then becomes formed. Um, so I think when, when I talk to clients about this, this really turns on some lights. This really makes people go bloody hell. Um, so let me ask you a question on, on this, um, because this is something, in fact, I haven't asked you. So when we talk about the, mem- the end memory, sorry, the end emotion, so we're talking about the peak emotion, we're talking about the end emotion, I presume that is, it, that's sort of the cumulative emotion. In other words, it's how that person is feeling at the end. So that may have... That would undoubtedly would have, you know, they would have gone through peaks and troughs as they threw. But if I'm feeling cared for at the very end because of all these actions that have taken place, it's cared for that I is my peak. It's not. So does that does so that make sense? Yeah. So the the peak and the end, as I understand them, um, are not necessarily tied to specific emotions. Um, rather, it's the the evaluation of the experience. So that'll certainly be a function of the emotions that you're feeling. But it's kind of how much do you like the experience or dislike the experience as it's going on? So how much are you enjoying it? Not necessarily what specific emotions are you feeling. So um, you could be feeling emotions at all kinds of different levels throughout. Um, And so you may have a peak of anger while you're having a trough of happiness and then a peak of happiness while you're having a trough of anger. Those... That relationship, as, as far as I know, has not been mapped out yet. I, I don't know how that would apply. Um, the peak end rules refer specifically to your evaluation. So if we go to that Rettelmeyer and Kahneman um, study that you referenced, uh, this was a study done on um, patients who were receiving a colonoscopy, um, which I'm given to understand is a very unpleasant procedure, and at least the version that these patients were getting they were awake during the procedure, so they were not put under. and received local anesthetic, I assume. Not uh, exactly. But not they, exactly. I think you want to do just for a laugh on a Friday afternoon, is it? I, I would assume, although, you know, to each his own. Uh, so if that's your thing, we certainly don't want to offend you, but uh, I would assume, though. Yeah. So the, the way that they conducted the experiment is they um, they gave these people a, a pain dial Um I've seen them before in the context of um, uh, focus groups. So a lot of times they'll have somebody like watch a presidential debate and you'll have this this dial that you can turn up or down depending on whether you like what the candidate's saying. Sometimes they'll use them um, when they evaluate advertisements, so what parts of the ad do you like or not. This was, though, a pain dial. So if you were feeling a lot of pain, you cranked it up. And if you're feeling very little pain at the moment, you cranked it back down. Um, And so they had these moment-by-moment evaluations of the experience. Now, it was evaluated on this discomfort dimension only. So what was the experience like for you? Um, how much did you like it or not like it? In this case, you didn't like it, but how much did you not like it uh, based on how much pain you were feeling? Um, and, uh, and it was that dimension 
uh, where they then they looked just at the peak and just at the end, and they said, oh, this is their overall evaluation of how uncomfortable it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, they may have been feeling lots of other emotions along the way that contributed sure. to that evaluation of pain. Uh, sure. Maybe they were afraid, maybe they were hopeful, um, sure. and maybe they were comforted by the, the person giving the procedure. Uh, but those things all filtered through that single evaluation in this case. The Intuitive Customer Podcast is brought to you by Beyond Philosophy. Since 2002, Beyond Philosophy has been helping organizations improve their customer experience through their consulting, training, and research services. Find out more at beyondphilosophy.com. That's beyondphilosophy.com. So the key question for me from a customer experience perspective becomes, where is your peak? So, you know, if you've got an experience, obviously you need to determine where does the experience start and stop, but where's the peak? Uh, you know, and what what emotions are they feeling at that peak? And that peak could be positive or negative. Um, and what are they feeling at the end? And again, you know, what emotion that could be positive or negative? Um, and and for me, most organisations haven't got a bloody clue about. It's where really they're... hard. I mean, it's let, let's let's give them some some credit by pointing out that that's not a trivial thing to figure out. Sure. Um, it, we can talk, um, and you and I have talked to clients together about this. It is, it's tricky. Um, let's talk about the peak, but before we do, let's talk about the end because that's the easier one. Um, sure. and the more, so, in, more important one, isn't it? With my memory potentially, right. potentially, um, in addition to, so the peak end rule talks about how people evaluate the, the whole experience. There's other research on memory, which you're right, says that certain points, uh, during an experience tend to be more memorable, one of which is the end. So in addition to the peak end rule, there are other reasons for believing that the end point of an experience might be especially influential. So if we're trying to derive some advice for people in terms of managing customer experience, end well, or if it's a bad experience, end less poorly. Yeah. Um, if, uh, if there's going to be a bad part of the experience, that you know that your customer's not going to like some particular part of it, try to have that happen early on so that there's less chance that it will happen at the end. Right? So sure. get bad experiences out of the way early. Sure. Um, those are the two big ones. So figure out yep. what the end is. Sorry, go. No, uh, go ahead, go ahead. So I, 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 I was just thinking, so if you, if we, if you, the first thing you're doing is establishing, so when we look at a journey, we would establish where the peak is or where we believe the peak is. For us, the second part then becomes, and I'm just building on what you were saying. Yeah. If you know that that's going to be a peak negative, then I guess what what could you do? So yes, you're right. Put it at the beginning if you can, but also what could you do to right. lessen the peak? And right. some of the peaks are self-inflicted bad peaks. Um, I mean, I'm self-inflicted about, by the company. Uh, maybe somebody's listening to this in two years' time. Um, But uh, over the weekend, I don't know if you've heard, British Airways, all of their uh, IT... Oh, the computer system went down, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So that is a little bit of a negative peak that they're they're having at the moment. Certainly, yeah. Certainly could be causing that. Delta has those too periodically. Um, Yeah, no, absolutely. 
So I, so I think the issue becomes where is the peak and what can you do to either move it forward uh, or what is it that you do to um, mitigate the peak. And, and in my experience, most negative peaks are self-inflicted. Uh, that people are doing something in the process or in the way that they're going about selling uh, that is that is causing a negative experience. Um, but if they just think about it and they understood what customers are feeling, then they could um, negate negate that. Um, in my view. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think that's right. So I, let's let's kind of let's break this down for people. All right. So. Um, Colin just walked through the process very, very quickly. I think we can slow it down and talk about each step. Um, if you're interested in applying the wisdom of the peak end rule, um, you know, as, as Colin mentioned, the, the first step is to define the experience. Um, so the, yep. the peak and the end happen within some context, that experience. And that is sometimes easy to figure out. So if you're dealing with a call center and people call in and well, then that experience is, Start of the call to the end of the call. You know, it's pretty straightforward. There are a lot of customer experiences, though, that are not necessarily that way. Um, if we're talking about going into a, a store, is it the entire time I spend at the store, or do I compartmentalize and do I have a separate experience while I'm waiting in line at the register? You need to talk to your customers to figure that out. I would push people to think about, if you think about the store, so does the experience actually start at the need, or does the experience Excellent. start uh, does the experience start when you leave the house? Let, let me give you a little anecdote. We were doing some work in a hospital system, and we they asked us to redesign their cancer experience. Okay, so obviously cancer's not a good thing to have. Um, mm -hmm. The um, but one of the key factors that we found was the one of the biggest problems that they had was the journey when they have cancer to go in for chemo, the journey to the hospital. Because Interesting. it was in Houston. Houston traffic is a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so it wasn't actually in the hospital that was the yeah. problem. Yeah? Uh, and so therefore, the, the start and the stop is, is, is not necessarily even looking in, you know, when I'm entering into the shopping mall. Uh, it's well. What was the parking like? Well, what was the traffic like? Well, you know, uh, all the rest, all the rest of those things. So, and some of those things, interestingly enough, some um, of those yeah. are out of your control as well. Yep. So, the the one I was thinking the other day was you, and I haven't done this for a while, but you you go to a hotel and they have these shuttle services, obviously, mm -hmm. to pick you up at the airport. Now, yep. what they tried to do is they've now extended their experience into the picking you up. Mm -hmm. But a, a few years ago, and this is a memory, so this was formed by emotions, uh, was they didn't bloody pick me up for an hour. Yep. Um, and that really bugged me. And I ended up phoning them like four times. And, but I, there was part of me going, but this is not really their experience. Well, yes, it is because they're now they've decided to extend their experience into these to these areas. It's, and it's often some like kind of the lowest ranking person on the hotel staff who has to go and drive yes. the the truck, and that's not even their primary responsibility. And so they're. Um, but you're right. I mean that it, it it emphasizes both of those stories emphasize this idea that. 
the experience is not something that you as a business get to dictate to your customer. If your customer is processing chemo treatments as from the moment I leave my door and get into my car, now I'm on this this path, this journey to to get this treatment, and it doesn't end until I'm home. Yep. Well, that's the way your customer's processing it, and you can try to influence that maybe, um, but it, it's really mostly in the hands of your customer. So you need to find out. But it's really possible that there are multiple segments who process it in different ways. Yeah. Right, go ahead. That's right. I, I was just saying what it does is it makes you think in a different way. Yeah. So now I remember, the, again, the conversation suddenly then switched to, well, how could we therefore do the chemo nearer the customer's premises? Should we have yeah. mobile units? Should we have satellite offices? Now, you wouldn't have had that conversation yeah. if you hadn't thought about you know the, the whole of that the the whole of that 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 experience. We're so pleased that you're listening to this episode of the Intuitive Customer. As a listener, we want to offer you a free download of Colin's ebook, Unlocking the Hidden Customer Experience. Take advantage of this free offer being made available only to listeners of this podcast. Do it now. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com/podcast and follow the link for the free book. That's beyondphilosophy.com/podcast. So one of the other things that that is talked about in this is that it's not time dependent. Right. So you can go on vacation for three weeks or you can go on vacation for one week. It doesn't mean to say that the memory is any greater because you've spent three weeks as opposed to one week. Is that right? Yeah, so the way that it's uh, it's typically talked about is, is uh, insensitivity to duration. So we think back to that uh, uh, Rettelmeyer and Kahneman study with the colonoscopies. Um, you know, they gave these people these pain dials, and so for each patient, they had a might consider it a pain profile. This chart of the pain going up and down, and so they had this graph for everybody's procedure. Um, and some of the the procedures were very short, only lasted like eight minutes, and some of them were very long, lasted 25, 30 minutes. Uh, and they included that variable in their model. So they yeah. said, oh, well, this person had a very long procedure, this person had a very short procedure. Um, didn't matter. Didn't affect the, the evaluations uh, afterwards. Uh, people with very short procedures, it was just the peak and the end. People with very long procedures, it was the peak and the end. That was what mattered. Um, now, I hesitate to say that time doesn't matter at all. I don't think that's true. Sure. Um, yeah, what what it, it This phenomenon of, of duration and sensitivity is primarily driven by the fact that um, the human mind is just not wired to track time very precisely. Right. We, we tend to need external markers for these things, and for the passage of time, we often don't have them. Uh, and so um, we, we just, you know, the passage of 10 minutes and the passage of 20 minutes, it's hard for us to track that um, and measure the difference unless we've got something else going on. Um, so that's one reason. And then the other reason is that we often don't have good reference points for evaluating that passage of time. Now, if it's a common experience, so if it's waiting in line at the grocery store, then you might be sensitive to time changes because you've done this a lot and you have a very good sense of how long it should take in sure. order for them to get get you through. Uh, so there are certain circumstances where 
we're better able to do that. If you give everybody a, a watch uh, and they're checking it frequently, then they'll be able to know very clearly how much time has passed. So there are exceptions to this rule, but yes, sure. in general, people are less sensitive to duration than you would think that they are. So, so this may be taking the subject a little further than peak end rule, but let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, so what's always fascinated me was that you go on a vacation and there's one instance that the family has that becomes folklore. Yeah. So somebody does something, somebody says something um, that then just becomes folklore. And every time that group of, you know, every time your family gets together or whatever, everyone always laughs about it, you know. Um, and I'm sure we've all got those instances. I guess the interesting thing for me is what you remember tends to get exaggerated yeah. or stretched or, you know, the the house that I, I was watching the other day, um, I lived in the same house from when I was born till 21. Um, and my perception of the house was that it was far bigger. And I was watching a video the other day of old family video and we, you know, actually sort of went around the house. And I thought, I don't remember it being that small. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and your mind, your memory tends to get uh, massaged, manipulated, or what, what, is there anything happening there that, that, yeah. Could... Yeah, and, and, and I, you're right, it's, I wouldn't characterize it under the peak end rule, but I would under this broader idea that you had in terms of managing memories, and what do we do? Um, the, you know, it's, the experience doesn't matter as much as the memory of the experience. Um, the the latest research on memory suggests that anytime we remember something, anytime we remember something, we destroy that memory as a chemical trace in, in the brain. It's gone. And we then just rewrite it. Right. So you right. only remember anything once and then it's gone. And we're now remembering that remembering. Right. And so what happens is as we so think about your example of the, the family folklore. Um, yeah. we, we experience something once and that, that may have been a peak, right? If it's something that gets talked about later, there's probably a reason for it. And one of those reasons may be that it was just, it was especially good or especially bad. Yeah. Um, and then as we, now, now there's a social component to it as well. Um, as we talk about it amongst each other, but just purely as a, a cognitive function, as we later remember that experience, the science suggests that we've destroyed the original trace of it, and now we've rewritten what was there. And, you know, oftentimes it's pretty close, yeah. um, but it does change in some ways. And one of the ways that it can change is it can become more exaggerated over time. And so each time it gets a little bit more exaggerated. Now, if, it's, if there's a social side to it where we're explaining it to other people, now we're motivated to make it more narrative. And so we want it to be more more funny, more surprising, um, more dark. And so uh, that will just make this phenomenon even worse. The Intuitive Customer is being brought to you by Beyond Philosophy. Your frontline teams should be trained on how they can practically influence customer decision using some of the psychological techniques discussed in these podcasts. To understand Beyond Philosophy's unique approach to the training of frontline teams, just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. 
That's beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. What surprises me is how your memory of an event can shift wow. and how it gets sort of influenced by what other people say. So if I go and watch a game of soccer, I may walk out of the stadium going, you know, not necessarily having, so I always go with my dad and my daughter. Um, and I may walk out the stadium going, yeah, that was a good game. I quite enjoyed that. But then my dad says, no, the defense was rubbish. And my daughter says, whatever. And then, you know, um, yeah, well, you know, she, she complains about the midfield and then you listen on the radio and then the radio, the commentators are going, well, yeah, you know, this is only the first game in 10 that they've won or whatever else. And the, your memory starts to alter. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah that's right. I, um, I sat in a um, presentation at a conference by uh, Elizabeth Loftus, who's, who's one of the preeminent psychologists in the study of memory. Uh, she's been doing it for decades, and she she did this demonstration in front of us. She showed us a bunch of pictures that kind of look like mugshots. Um, she said, focus on this guy here, uh, and then she showed us another set of pictures, and then another one, and she said, all right, well, now here's the original set. And I said, which of these guys was the one that you, you first chose? Um, and she had us all raising our hands. Um, and she screwed with us. We were all wrong. She had done it. She'd set it up in such a, a way, and I won't get into the specifics of the procedure, but she'd set it up in such a way that she had introduced new faces that were kind of similar to the old ones sure. in such a way that she influenced our memory so sure. that we all remembered it wrong. Um, and this is the trick she's been doing in her research for a long time. Um, we, yeah, we can, our memories are not nearly as infallible as we like to think that they are. No. Um, we're constantly changing and updating and rewriting them. But it's, it's interesting then even just to think about the difference between a memory and an, and an opinion. Yeah. So the example of the soccer is, is I'm having an opinion, but my opinion is based upon my memory, mm-hmm. obviously. Now, if my memory is getting changed because I'm rewriting it, Right. And that potentially means my opinion is getting changed. So, or your memory is getting changed to align with your opinion. Yes. Yeah. This is the old, um, I never left uh, the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left me line from Reagan. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, memory alteration that goes along to conform to what our current opinions are. Um, okay. So if you, you know, you're an Apple enthusiast now. Um, if heaven forbid something ever went wrong and you, you lost your religion, um, yeah. and uh, Apple had offended you in some way, the evidence suggests you would go back through and and start to reevaluate a lot of your memories yeah. um, with regards to the Apple brands and yeah. form to your opinion. And if you took what you just said, that you're rewriting them, then when you're remembering those and then you're rewriting them, you're rewriting them in in that way, aren't you? That's right. So now it becomes indistinguishable from as if you'd experienced it that way in the first place. Yeah. Okay, I'm conscious of time, so we're going to wrap this up. Um, but I guess my I'm going to I'm going to leave this with a with a few questions that I think that the audience should think about. So, where is the peak of your experience? I would yep. ask you to think about. And um, where is the end of your experience? And what what emotions are your customers feeling at the peak and at the end? 
and then the key question becomes what do you want them to feel you know where is where are you going to plan to have the peak uh, and what do you want them to feel and obviously the end is going to be the end but what is it you want the customers to feel at the end and for us you should be trying to get the customers to feel the emotions that drive most value you make most money out of um, and that means doing some research to, to identify to identify those things so any, anything else Ryan that you want to you want to add before we wind this up uh, no just going back to the original um, point that you raised earlier uh, even before we define the peak and the end we need to define the experience and oftentimes yep. that also involves uh, talking to your customer and uh, doing some good research and figuring out where they're coming from yep absolutely Good. Well, this is um, uh, this has all been good. Uh, so, for those of you that um, um, just a quick reminder about the book, the Intuitive Customer, go out and um, get yourself a copy. Um, there's lots of good stuff in there. We'll, we'll we are going to carry on the conversation. Um, if you want to, if there are any questions that you want to um, post to us or whatever else, then please um, uh, contact us at um, uh, www.beyondphilosophy.com. So beyondphilosophy.com, uh, stick in a question there. So um, thanks very much for your time, and I um, uh, hope you have a great week. Thanks, everybody. Bye, Colin. See ya. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.